We're beginning a new series of messages today, and you saw the, the word on the screen is power. And, uh, and, and power is a, is a word that as soon as you hear it, uh, you probably get an idea in your mind. If I say the word power to you, probably images come in your mind, and maybe for some of you the first thing you think of is, dang, i got to pay the power bill this month. You know, what do you think about that? Or, or maybe you think about someone who's physically powerful, like a real roided-up wrestler you know, that body slams people or something like that. And we've got a lot of, a lot of uh, babies in our church now, a lot of new couples having their first babies. And uh, y'all recently, if that's you, you've changed some diapers that could only be described as powerful, right? And so maybe that comes into your mind. Or, or maybe you think of, maybe you think of a, a, a powerful person and, and what makes a person powerful in the world's eyes. Someone who's powerful in politics or because they've got a lot of money or or they've got a lot of influence, someone maybe like Donald Trump who wants you to think that he's really more powerful than he is and maybe who abuses his power. So this word power, for us, it has a lot of different images that come up, but we're going to talk for the next four weeks about different powers that are talked about in Scripture, and we're going to be doing this from the, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and 2. So if you have your Bible today, you can look in the New Testament, that's the second part of the Bible, and uh, look in the book of Ephesians. If you need to look in your table of contents at the beginning, that's cool. And uh, Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to be in there today. If you don't have a Bible, the scripture is going to be on the screen. But Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 uh, is what we're going to look at for the next few weeks. And, uh, and going through Easter as well, talking about power that's described in scripture. And so today we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, and I'm going to start reading that in just a second. Now, let me let you know just a little bit of a background about the book of Ephesians so you kind of understand what's, what's happening here. There was a guy named Paul uh, who went around and he started new churches all over, just about everywhere he went, he would start a church, and he'd stay there for a while and start a church. Well, he went to a place called Ephesus, and he stayed there for about three years. And while he was there, he started a church that became a very influential church, and from that church, a lot of other churches started. And so Paul now has left Ephesus, and he's writing a letter back to the people that lived there in Ephesus. They, they called themselves the Ephesians. So that's why this is called Ephesians. This is a letter that Paul wrote. And this was a letter that wasn't just written to that one church that he started, but it was a letter that was written that that one church would get, and they would read it on a Sunday morning, and then they would pass it along to another church in the area. And they would read it at their church, and then they would pass it along to another church in the area, and they would read it. It's what, it's what some people call a circular letter because it was supposed to be passed around from church to church. So when we read the book of Ephesians, the stuff that we're seeing in there were things that Paul thought, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus... If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if, if you've accepted him as your Savior, been forgiven of your sin, and now you say you're trying to live for Jesus, if that's who you are, these are some things that you need to know. And so that's, that's what Paul is, is writing in this book of Ephesians. So we're going to start in, in Ephesians 1.15, and, and I'm going to just stop and talk as we go. I'm not going to read the whole scripture at first and then give you the points. We're just going to talk through it and, uh, and find out what God wants us to know today about power. So Ephesians 1 starting with verse 15. It says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now let's stop real quick. It says for this reason, and you're going, okay, for what reason, right? 
Well, if you, were, if you were to go back, and I encourage you to do this later on at home this afternoon, if you were to go back and read verses 1 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 1, you see in those 14 verses, Paul is saying things to the folks there in Ephesians, uh, in, in Ephesus. He's talking to them about, hey, it's because of God that you're saved. It's because of what Jesus did that you now can follow him. It's all because of him. It's not because of anything you did. It's because of his greatness, his goodness, and now you've received this gift and, and, and so he's talking about how he's excited about the fact that they are believers. So when we read there where it says, for this reason, it's like Paul is saying, okay, because God has saved you, because he's done this great work in your life, now I'm going to begin praying for you. I have not stopped praying and giving thanks and remembering you in my prayers. So what he's saying is, is he's saying this, the words that he's about to share are words that are directly written to people who are followers of Christ who call themselves Christians. Then verse 17, it says this. I keep asking, this is what Paul is praying to God. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, the last few weeks, we've been encouraging you to take notes on your, uh, on your worship guide. If you're going to write anything down today, you need to write this down. If you want something to pray for, Ask God to give you wisdom and revelation. Paul says, I'm praying for you that you'll have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. Now, James 1.5 tells us in another part of the Bible, it says, are any of you lacking wisdom? Then you should ask God for it. And it says he gives it freely to you. And so that's, that's encouraging to me. And it should be encouraging to you that God says, listen, what you're supposed to do on this earth, making the right choice versus the wrong choice or making the wise choice versus the unwise choice, that's not a mystery. It's not like I want you going around trying to figure that out on your own. God says, no, I want to tell you. I'm going to give you wisdom. Ask me for it. Just ask me for wisdom. And so Paul tells them, listen, I'm praying for you that you'll have wisdom. And then the second thing is, he says, I'm praying that you'll have revelation. And you're like, okay, Cliff, I know that's a book in the back of the Bible, but what does that mean? Revelation means that you're praying that God will reveal things to you, that he'll reveal the truth to you. And that is a great thing for you to be praying for yourself every day. Before you open up your Bible to read it, say, God, I pray today that I would have a spirit of revelation. That when I read Leviticus and I'm stuck in the laws of Israel, that I will have a spirit of revelation that you will begin to teach me three things through those laws. That as I'm reading the Psalms, as I'm reading in the, the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote, that I will have a spirit of revelation. So those are two good things for you to be praying for for yourself. In verse 18 he says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that's where we're going to camp out for a little while is on power. But here's the three things Paul was saying that he was praying, other than the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He said, I'm praying that you would understand the hope to which God has called you, the riches of your glorious inheritance, and his incomparably, incomparably great power. Now, as I read that, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as somebody who tries to follow Jesus, when I read the, the part about the hope, I'm, I'm rarely completely hopeless as a follower of Christ. Now, there's times that I, I have less hope than others, 
But when it really boils down to it, even if everything on this, this world just get, begins to be terrible, I think, but you know what? One day I'm going to heaven. And so there's always that hope of heaven, and maybe you feel the same way. And then the second part where it says, the glorious inheritance of his riches. Now, I'm not rich on this earth. I, my, my wife and I, we have to live by a budget, and we, we have to make sure we know where every penny's going and, and all that kind of stuff, and so we're not rolling in cash. And so I don't feel rich, but again, to me, when I think about heaven, I know, oh, it says inheritance. That's what I'm going to get one day in the future. And so when I see riches, I think, oh, yeah, when I get to heaven, man, it says in, in the Bible that the streets are, are paved with gold. So if, if they're using gold as pavement, it must be a pretty place where, you know, where there's a lot of riches. So, again, I can, I, I can see that. But when it gets to that third one, when it says that, that Paul is praying that we would know the incomparably great power for those of us who believe, I want to share something with you today that maybe you'll be shocked at because I stand up here and preach every week and because I lead this church, maybe you're going to be shocked to hear me say this, but I want to tell you something that oftentimes as a follower of Jesus, I feel anything but powerful. Oftentimes I feel powerless. There are situations that come up in my life, decisions that have to be made where, where I feel powerless in those situations. There are, there are things that go on there. There are relationship issues with people that I know and maybe with me and, and things like that. And, and I think about that. And, and you, know how, you know how people can be when they get set in their ways and they get stubborn and you think nothing will ever change with them. And, and in those kind of situations, I feel powerless. I don't feel powerful like the Scripture says. And so I would imagine that if you're honest today, you would say the same thing. If you're, if you're completely honest today, you'd say, yeah, Cliff, oftentimes, in fact, maybe a lot of the time, I don't feel powerful as a follower of Christ. I feel powerless. It may, maybe you've got a situation where you've got a, a child that's struggling in school and, and you've paid for tutors and you've done all this stuff and they're still struggling and, and in that situation, you just feel powerless. You don't feel powerful anymore. Maybe you're married and, and, and y'all just loved each other before you got married and you knew getting married was what you wanted to do and you've been married now a few years and you've even had a kid or two and, but you're still fighting all the time and one or the other is threatening to leave or maybe has left and has come back or has left and hasn't come back or whatever. And in that situation, you don't feel powerful. You feel powerless. Or maybe you're in a, a business situation where where you thought this was a good idea and you put money into it and it went good for a while and now you're losing money and you're thinking you're going to have to sell your house or lose your house and you can't figure out how to tell your, your husband or your wife that, that, that the finances are in bad shape. And, and if you were honest, you would, you would say that you feel powerless in that situation. I think we've all been there. But what this scripture says, what Paul is saying here is that, that as followers of Christ, he says that there is incomparably great power for those who believe now i wasn't an english major in college but but you don't have to be a genius to figure out that when the word there says incomparably great power that this means that it's power that's unequaled it's it's power like you've never seen before it's power like you've never heard about and that's the kind of power we're talking about we're talking about power without equal there is nothing else like it on the face of this earth. And it says that this power without equal is available for those who believe. 
So, so what are the, what's the rest of it say? Let, let's, let's move on from here. So this incre- incomparably great power is available. But what else does that mean? Well, well, look at the rest of verse 19. It says this. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. All right, let's stop here just a second. Do you understand what we just read? And I would say to you that I just read it so fast, and we're kind of sitting in here, and you're like, okay, Cliff, you're going to tell us anyway, that chances are it just kind of went like this over your head, because I believe that if we really understood what we just read, we wouldn't be able to just sit there and go, that's nice. Because I think if we really understood what this right here says, if we really understood what we just read, we should be standing up and shouting and going crazy. Because what this says is this, that the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the power that's available for everyone who believes in Jesus. Can you believe that? There was a, back in the, I'm going to go back in time now, back to the late 80s when praise and worship music was just kind of getting its start in the church and uh, and and i don't know if how many of you grew up in church but you know if you grew up in church like me we sang hymns from the hymnal every week and you sang usually the first third and fourth verse or something like that you never sang all of them unless you just had a music minister that was crazy and uh and I even grew up in a church that we closed every service with the doxology, if you know what that is, praise God from who, that thing. We did that every week. And then in the late 80s or mid-80s, late 80s, you know, people started writing this crazy praise music that was not in the hymnal, and, and you had to have it printed on a page or read it off a screen, and, and churches just got all up in arms. And, and there was this one song that, uh, that and the funny thing is, is I, I went, I Googled it this week as I was preparing this because I wanted to remember it. And when I Googled it, the YouTube video that came up was actually Jimmy Swaggart singing it. Now, even though Jimmy Swaggart sing it, sang it, it was still a good song, all right? And, uh, and the song was, and I'll try to sing it in my best Jimmy Swaggart voice, you know. It was like, Jesus be Jesus in me. Remember that song? And then it got to the chorus, and it said, Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Jesus be Jesus in me. Chris, we need to do that one next week. Just kidding. Just kidding. But resurrection power, fill me this hour. That's what this verse is talking about. It's saying that the the power of the resurrection can fill us today in our daily life. When you're dealing with your your kid that, that is struggling in school, when you're dealing with your marriage that seems to be falling apart, when you're dealing with the business that's not doing what you want to, when you're dealing with a checkbook that never seems to have enough in it, when you're dealing with all that stuff, The scripture says that the power of the resurrection is available for us today. Now, here's the interesting part, too, is is if you look at verse 18 again, go back to verse 18. It says, Paul, what Paul is praying, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know. And then he starts talking about that stuff. So he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. What he's saying here is, you don't, I'm not praying that God will give you this power because it's something that, that he only gives a few people. And he doesn't say, I'm not praying that you'll be good enough to earn this power. 
What he says is, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. In other words, the power is already there. But we have to have our eyes opened up to see it. We have to understand that it's there so that we can then accept the power. It's, uh, I, how many of you saw The Wizard of Oz when you were a kid? If you ever saw The Wizard of Oz, raise your hand when you were a kid. All right. So The Wizard of Oz, you know, and, uh, and Dorothy and the tornado, and she ends up in Oz and all that kind of stuff and goes through all this, this business. And she's all the time, she's trying to get back to Kansas. That's the whole thing, wants to get back to Kansas, which I've never been to Kansas, but I would think Oz might be a cooler place to live than Kansas. But she wanted to get back home to Kansas. And so that was her whole thing. And, and so she's going to Oz to meet the Wizard of Oz because surely he'll be able to get her back. And when she gets there, he's a scam artist and he can't do it. And so she's stuck. And remember who shows up in a bubble? Glinda, the good witch of the uh, north or east or something. She wasn't west. I know the wicked witch was from the west. And so Glinda shows up in the bubble. And Dorothy says, please, I want to go back to Kansas. Can you send me back? Does anybody remember what she said to her? She said, oh, Dorothy. You've always had the power to go back to Kansas. Which, if that movie was written today, Dorothy's response would have been like, say what? <laughs> You're telling me that this whole time I could have already, I could, do you understand what I've been through? I've had this witch chasing me. I went through a forest where trees were throwing apples at me. I had flying monkeys. Do you understand how scary flying monkeys are? They're not supposed to fly and they were chasing me. Right? That's, that's what would happen today. But, but so she says to her, you've always had the power to go back. You just weren't aware of it. You weren't taking advantage of it. And so she clicks her heels together and goes home. And that's kind of what this verse is saying here. Paul is saying, listen, the incomparably great power of the resurrection is available for everyone who's a follower of Christ. You just have to have your eyes open to it and realize it. And so when you feel powerless, you have to understand that you're not powerless. You have to understand that the power of the resurrection is working through your life right then as you are a follower of Jesus. But let's go on and see what it says about Jesus because there's something key in here that it begins to say about who Jesus is that affects whether or not we feel powerless or powerful. Verse 22, And God placed all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, some of y'all know that the New Testament was written in a language called Greek. And sometimes we translate words in English and maybe there's a little different from the Greek. Do you know what, when it says there, and God placed all things under his feet, do you know what the Greek for all things means? It means all things. It means exactly what it says right here. What the Greek means, what the English means, if you, in any language you want to put it in, what the Bible says right here is that God has placed everything under the feet, under the authority of Jesus Christ. Everything is under his authority. That means your marriage is under his authority. That means your relationship with your kids is under his authority. That means that your business is under his authority. That means that your school is under his authority. That means that your neighborhood is under his authority. That means that our government is under his authority. That means that your smartphone is under his authority. That means your iPad and your laptop and your PS3, all those things are under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. And so what does that mean for us when it comes to power? Well, to experience the power in your, of, of God, to experience the power of God in your life, 
you have to give in to the authority of Jesus. To experience God's incomparably great power, you have to give in to the authority of Jesus. Now, when you read that and you might say, yeah, man, that's good. I'll even write that down. That's a good idea. But when it comes to living it out, it becomes a problem because none of us naturally want to give in to God or anybody else. When it comes to what comes natural to you and what comes natural to me, we don't like the idea of giving in. And I understand that. I've got a rebellious streak in me. We all do. We were born with it. It's called sin. And what happens is, is there can be something that I want to do, that I think it's a good idea. And I want to do it right up until the moment that you tell me I have to do it. And then when you tell me I have to and and it's your decision that I have to do it, guess what? I don't want to do it anymore because I want it to be my decision. And that's the way most of us are. That when it comes to to authority, we we do what what one of my favorite singers from the 1980s, John Mellencamp, said, we fight authority. We fight authority every step of the way. When when it comes to whether it's the the authority of of your your dad growing up or the authority of your school teacher or your principal or the police or the government or, or whatever the authority is, we fight against that. And, we're, and when we do, we're fighting against the very authority of God in our lives. But what the Scripture tells us is that Jesus has been placed in authority of everything that's going on down here. And because of that, if we want to exp- experience the power of God, if we want to experience the incomparably great power, the resurrection power, then the first step is we have to give in to the authority of God. And But what happens is, is when we fight against that authority, and so, so God's laid out the way things are supposed to be. Jesus has made it clear. He's put it in his word. This is the best way to live your life. And he's the authority, and he's told us that. And when we fight against that, what happens is it creates more problems for us. And then the more problems it creates, the more powerless we feel. And so the further we get away from the incomparably great power of God. It's kind of like um, I had a friend of mine who, when he was growing up, his, his dad um, told him he didn't want him shooting fireworks when he wasn't home, when his dad wasn't home. So one of the first things he did is one day when his dad was at work, he went and started shooting fireworks. So he's bucking the authority in his life. And as he's doing that, he thought it'd be a good idea to go over to this field, vacant field, nobody there. Hey, this would be a great place to shoot fireworks, especially on a day when the humidity is like 0% and hadn't rained in a few weeks. And so he's shooting fireworks, and guess what happens? The field catches on fire. And so guess what he decides to do? Now he's got a choice. He's created this issue. He's got a choice. He can then give in to the authority in his life and go home call his dad and say we need to call the fire department but no he thought i can put this thing out myself and so he begins to try to stomp it out and all that kind of stuff and he takes off whatever clothes he's got on and starts doing it and as he's doing that he's just fanning the flames and making it worse next thing you know the field's all on fire and they have to call the fire department he doesn't call it somebody else does and they came and he got in a bunch of trouble and all that came from the beginning of him bucking the authority that was in his life And what happens for us in our lives is Jesus is our authority, and he's laid down pretty clearly in Scripture how we're supposed to live. 
and we decide we're going to do it another way. We're going we're to ignore what it says in here. We're going to do it our own way. And that creates more problems. And then when the problems come, we've got a choice then. Then we can go back and say, okay, now I understand. I was wrong. I'm going to come back. But a lot, oftentimes we say, well, now I've got to solve this problem that I've created. And then we do that, and it makes the, the, the problem worse. And it's like fanning the flames of a fire. And it can be in whatever area of your life. The scripture, maybe it has to do with, with your relationships. You know, the scripture's really clear about what, what your dating relationships and, and your sexual desires, how they're supposed to be under the authority of Jesus. But maybe you read that and you say, you know what? I'm going to ignore what the scripture says about sex and about dating and about marriage. And I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. And so you do it that way. And then all of a sudden you've got more issues and, and more problems. And then you begin to feel more and more powerless. Or maybe it has to do with your finances. And the, the scripture's pretty clear about the way finances are supposed to work and, and what you're supposed to do to put your finances under the authority of Jesus. But you say, now I'm going to do it my own way because I think I've got a better plan. And so you get further and further away from God's plan for finances and you feel more and more powerless. And, and when you feel more and more powerless, there's more and more issues. You could put any number of situations in that formula and it's always the same, whether it's finances, whether it's sex, whether it's marriage relationship, whether it's business, whatever it might be, you put it in that formula and it always works the same way. You do it against the authority of Jesus. There's more problems that come. You feel more powerless and then you feel further and further away from God. But what Paul says here is that the incomparably great power is available for everyone who follows Christ. But we've got to give in to the authority of Jesus. We've got to acknowledge that it's his way, which is the only way. And we're going to follow his path, even if it seems weird. We're going to do what Jesus says, even if Oprah says that what Jesus says is stupid. We're going to do what Jesus says, even if everybody on TV, every relationship you see proclaimed in a TV or a movie series that even if they say that it's wrong to do it that way and they tell you another way we're going to do it the way jesus said because he is the authority now the hard truth of this if you're here today and you're not a follower of jesus the hard truth is that the incomparably great power is only available for those who believe if you're not a follower of jesus you are powerless if you're here today and and you haven't given your life to jesus you are powerless because the power of sin is in control of your life and there's nothing you can do about that. But Jesus has already done something about it. See, Jesus died on the cross and then this power is what brought him back from the dead. And because of that, if you believe in that, if you, if you say, Jesus, I understand, I believe that you died, I know that you died for my sin, and I believe that the resurrection is true, then what the scripture says is you don't have to be powerless anymore. You can give your life to Jesus and become powerful and live under the power of the resurrection. And if you want to do that today, what I would like for you to do, if you have a question about that or if you'd like to do that, I'd like for you to indicate that on your, your worship guide, on the part that you tear off. Write it on there, tear that off, put that in the, uh, give that to somebody as you walk out the door, come up and give it to me, or grab somebody and say, I don't want to wait for you to call me this week, I want to do this today. Now, if you're here and you're already a follower of Jesus, I want you to know that what the scripture says about power is true, that you don't have to be powerless. When I feel powerless in situations, I don't have to feel that way. I don't have to live that way, and neither do you. That what the Scripture says is true. We can experience the power of the resurrection every day. And what we have to do in order to do that is we need to begin every day by saying, 
Jesus, I give in to your authority today. I give my life to you anew today. We need to do that daily. You see, sometimes I think if you're a follower of Jesus, you did something a long time ago. You walked down an aisle, you got baptized, you did something good, and it was true, and it was real, and it was, it was uh, made sure that you're going to be in heaven one day, but you walked away from it that day, and you don't have a growing relationship with Jesus today, and you think that, yeah, what I did back then has got me covered. It might have you covered for heaven, but it doesn't have you covered for living every day because you're living powerless because you're not asking Jesus, you're not giving in to his authority every day, and we have to do that. Because our natural inclination is to fight against the authority of Jesus. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to tell him daily, maybe even hourly, Jesus, I give in to your authority. Whatever it might be, I'm going to do it. I'll tell you an example in my own life. Of, I oftentimes, when I feel powerless, um, I, the, my reaction is, is to start trying to figure out ways to solve the problem. And I start thinking, well, I just need to call this person. I need to have a meeting with them. I need to send this guy an email. I need to give them a book to read that I read one time that helped me. And the whole time, it's like Jesus is shouting in my ear, why don't you pray and ask me about this? That's what he's saying. Why don't you pray and talk to me? I can help that situation a whole lot better than you. And and I, and I try to fight off the authority of Jesus when I, when I know that he's really in control. Maybe for you it looks differently. But for all of us, I think, we fight against the authority of Jesus in our life. And we need to give in to that authority and begin to experience his power. And what would happen? What would happen if we all did that? If this whole church, if, if everybody's here today and, and people who, who aren't even here today, but, but they, they hear the message and they get excited about it, what if we all began to give in every day to the authority of Jesus and we began to live with resurrection power in every area, every area of our lives? What if we did that? I mean, what would happen? What, what could go on? Think of how many children that could be fed. Think of how many churches that could be started. Think of how many people that would give their lives to Jesus. Think of how many uh, wells we could drill in, in foreign countries so that people could have clean water. All those things that we try to do, it would be amazing what God would do. I'm going to say a prayer. And a uh, band's going to come up while I pray. And I just want you today to think about your life and read that scripture. And if you don't know Jesus... You're powerless, but you don't have to be. You can give in to the authority of Jesus today for the first time. If you do know Jesus, you don't have to feel powerless. Give in to his authority every day. Let's pray together. Father God, it is encouraging to know that when you came to earth, you lived and died, and then you went back to heaven that you didn't leave us alone. Scripture says that you sent the Holy Spirit. And God, it's through that power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of the resurrection, that we experience you today. And I pray that for myself and for everybody here that's a follower of you, that we would experience resurrection power. We'd experience resurrection power in our relationships, in our finances, in our schoolwork, in our business, in every area of our life, we would experience the power of the resurrection. 
We ask that you'd give all of us a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation that every day we would know what it is you want us to do and that we would follow in your path and do it. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.